let's do a quick overview then, Mr. Gormley, of all of the films from Phase 1 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe on the road to Infinity War. The road to Infinity War. I'm excited about this. Dude, this is going to be so fun. We have a Google Doc, people. We have a Google Doc. Lucas put... We have... Four pages of a Google Doc. Never before in Catching Fox's history this is, have we had four pages. I think the last time we were this prepared was for the last Jedi review, which, how, how long was that? Like eight hours? <laughs> At least. At least. That was At so least. long. All right. And okay. I'm not going to drink during this, so you're welcome, everyone. This is just pure. Ooh, I did. Oh, man. I just poured myself a big glass no, of no, no. boxed wine. You're fine. You're fine. So, uh, <laughs> I just have to steer the ship, so I don't want to be him out. That's true. Okay. So, like, this part here is just a really quick overview. Let's get an idea of what are the films we are talking about. When did these films come out? And just our thoughts about these films. And, you know, perhaps the two little tidbits for their place within either, like, our hearts or the or the broader pop cultural landscape. The first film in Phase 1 of the MCU on the road to Infinity War is Iron Man. That came out in 2008. Then you actually did have the incredible hulk in 2008 as well that starred starred edward um edward norton that then we had iron man 2 which this is interesting they took two years off be, be uh between uh the hulk and iron man 2 uh iron man 2 came out in 2010 uh thor was released in 2011 captain america was came out in 2011 then you had the then you had the avengers in 2012 so this was, I don't know if you recall, but from the time of Iron Man to the, I believe Iron Man came out in May of 2008, because we saw that together, right? Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So from when that came out to when the Avengers came out was four years. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy, which I think is what made it so awesome, because you were like, oh, this movie that was like, you know, spanning an entire college career, right? Your freshman year, if you were a freshman totally. in 2008. Concluded with the Avengers, and that's awesome because I had that. Yeah, <laughs> well, we had that for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. My freshman, sophomore, junior year, the winter breaks, so you have that, so that was awesome. And we kind of had that for the prequels as well, kind of. Like the Clone Wars yeah. came out our freshman year, I think, and then you had Revenge of the Sith our senior year. So, anyways, out of case, so out of the all of these film and all of these films from Phase One, what's your favorite? Hands down. Iron Man. Yeah. Hands down Iron Man. Iron Man in my heart beats the Avengers. Now, here's the thing. I think the Avengers is the better superhero film because it's it's just well, I don't know if that's true. I think the Avengers is just it's very good. It's a very very good movie. Um Iron Man is just yeah, I I heard it was it really has it, I mean, I forgot about this. If so we, let's go back to this point in time. Iron Man was directed by who? John Favreau, yeah, Favreau, right? Who at that point in time was what was the biggest film that he had made? I think Swingers, right? I think it was, yeah, which was a big indie film in the mid nineties. Yeah. So this was kind of a big deal. And this film, I, I think we don't really remember how not big of a deal it was. I mean, it before it came out. I mean, it was hyped, but it was not anything like any of the Marvel films are right now. It was. Right. Relatively low, low like budget for the time. They just scale back at like a, a whole bunch of these parts. And if this film bombed, 
the MCU was not going to exist. I mean, this was just going to kind of be like the, you know, like, end. this was kind of just be it. So it was really important that, that this and, was good. And it probably was the gap between 2008 and 2010 because, number one, they were seeing if it was viable before they made Iron Man 2, which they did immediately. But number two, The Incredible Hulk kind of sucked. And so I didn't think it was terrible, but uh, the Edward Norton version wasn't terrible. But at the same time, the you have that coming right after Iron Man, and it's kind of like, wait, is the world ready for more superhero movies? Mm-hmm. And then when Iron Man 2 came out, it was like, yep, it sure is. And here's <laughs> Thor, and here's Captain America, and here's the Avengers, and here's <laughs> open your mouth. I got a shovel, no more spoons. Take it, take yeah. it. Take it. <laughs> well, because I, I think, I mean, they even announced they were trying to build to this in like 2005, but it just took so much work to get to this point. Because we, I mean, if, if you don't work, I mean, you probably, well, I don't know if anyone really knows this. I'm not really into comic books you are so you so you might be able to speak to this but i I believe like marvel was still relatively not bankrupt but they didn't have a lot of money no they did not which is why they sold spider-man and x-men to sony um or spider-man to sony x-men to fox like and then they when they got their act together around iron man that's when the marvel studios thing really took on a, you know, kind of took on new light and, and it, it breath, it breathed new life into the entire Marvel, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. yeah. What do you think makes Iron Man so good? Okay. Here's the deal with Iron Man. That is awesome. The CGI does not look dated. Yeah. When I'm watching Iron Man, it looks like he's a, like the suit is real. Like all that looks, it is so well done. Well, because there were actual like suits that they use, which I actually right. I saw when I was at Disneyland a couple of years ago. I don't know right. if he has any suits. Any, I, I think he has like half suits now. Like they do the, the the upper body or something. Yeah, but it's amazing what they did, and it's amazing the um, they did an excellent job with like the audio engineering of like Tony Stark's uh, or Iron Man's like the repulsors and the and mm-hmm. the thing like the sound that his thing makes mm-hmm. when like does that little power up when it fires mm-hmm. is just awesome and then they hired the perfect guy for it yeah i they hired the perfect guy for that role. i i really it was kind of funny i can remember going to watch this film with all of with all of our buddies and having a thought of oh this actually is kind of good I think if there's any weak part, it's kind of the last fight with the villain is, not, but you know, like whatever, because I can remember like, oh, it's going to fall into like the typical, he's going to beat him, you know, blah, 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 which is kind of a problem with all these films, but whatever. Uh, yeah, it's just good. And so what do you think, what's important about these? Like, what's the important thing you think did you, that you take away from phase one for yourself in the broader pop uh, cultural sphere? Uh, I think the coolest thing about it is, nothing like the to to this scale had ever been done before and it got us excited that a movie uh not just a movie but many movies could be world building and you know we had like the batman trilogy but it's contained within batman and now they're trying to do dc mm-hmm. which is failing miserably it's trying to do these you know with the justice league and the suicide squad and batman versus superman they haven't figured out you know, we, we weren't burned out on origin stories that I think they did a good enough job giving you a, a believable villain, but it's not about the villain. It's about the evolution of this character, and that's what they executed really well from Iron Man and Iron Man 2, 
Thor, Captain America, and the Avengers. Like, they did a good job evolving the character that you care about. And uh, Incredible Hulk was already kind of a sequel. So, meh. So, uh, I feel, and I think Edward Norton did an, uh, an awesome job. The, the CGI, I think, looks a lot more dated with that. But, um, yeah, so that's why I think I think it got the whole country excited about a multi-year project from multiple franchises mm-hmm. within a th- like that that hasn't been done before, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's what I think was the the important thing. I think, and this has been true for a lot of movies that have been made. But one thing that I've, I've always thought was just very interesting about these films was they really did hire, they cast the they casted the right actors. Like there's no one else. Who could play Iron Man? But uh, Bud Robert Downey Jr. I believe the right. close like second was Tom Cruise. Oh, what a terrible choice that would have been! I think he he just would be running all the time. Yeah, but like that's <laughs> yeah, true, and just it would run and just stare so intensely into our souls. Um, <laughs> but and I think they kind of hit this thing where if I think they saw like one of the things that makes these films work is you have to have like a personality that really. Um, captivate the audience and I, I i don't know if they did it with like uh thor right off the back but i think with thor with the ragnarok film they they started to play to chris hemworth's strengths and that's why that works you know yeah. and I, I i don't think this is as powerful in like any of these films well i mean on um, with, with the ones that he's in without yeah. robert downey jr because he got paid like 50 million for the avengers and he's, I mean, it was worth it, I think. I mean, what, they made like a billion plus yeah. on that. So totally worth it. Um, definitely, yeah. I think, I, I mean, honestly, I think Iron Man's, pro, it's the most rewatchable out of all of the Marvel films. I can watch that. I can watch that right now. It'd be totally fine. 100%. 100%. It's the first of the Marvel movies that I bought back when iTunes was still in standard definition. <laughs> like, you know, I love this movie. I love this movie. And, um, uh, the other thing about Iron Man that I like is when I rewatch it. So one of the things that we talked about is, are we getting superhero fatigue? And I thought I would be the one saying, no, no, no. I love all this stuff. I'm so excited that this stuff is now on the big screen. Like as a little boy, I dreamed of this stuff. But, you know, as we come to review, you know, Wonder Woman, all this stuff, I give them lower grades the first time I see it. And then I'll generally bump it up because I'm like, okay, if the second time I see it, because I'm like, okay, I am fighting with the formula and the formulaic nature of this. But when I watched Iron Man, I liked Obadiah Stane as the villain more than I did back when I first saw it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's one, he's a much more believable villain than the, the dude that freaking Dr. Strange is fighting. Like, you don't even care about the villain in that. I don't even remember his name. <laughs> but, like, Obadiah Stane is a badass. Mm-hmm. He's, he takes on the role of father figure and interim CEO, and it's so believable. And yet, when he reveals himself as the villain who's doing this, that's also believable. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I just liked it. Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. So, yeah. All right. Um, so, okay, we're going to dive into part two of the Catching Foxes Ruins the movies, the road to Infinity War Phase One, Episode One. <laughs> I love how long that is. <laughs> Good lord, That's ridiculous. Anyways, Good lord. so again, the whole Marvels po- Infinity <laughs> Road to Infinity War Phase One, <laughs> Episode One, which is what this is. I love it. Um, so, uh, okay, why we're doing this is we don't want to just go through the plot of yeah. all these films, so we're not going to do that. Although we're gonna we're gonna assume you've seen these movies. 
So yeah. uh, insert a massive spoiler horn here. If you haven't, why are you listening? I don't know. Stop and go and watch all of these films. So massive spoiler for any of the Marvel movies. We're going to go. We're, but what we're going to do is talk about all. We're, so we're going to take each each of these, each of the films from phase one and go over what are the big themes from like these films. The idea is then we're going to build to what's the broader thing being done here. The broader like tapestry that leads to the Infinity Wars, because I think there's a broader story being told that is fascinating. So, you ready? I want to dive in. Let's do this. Movie themes, Iron Man. All right, so let's start with, like, Iron Man. I think, when I really think of Iron Man, I think of that one line. This was so powerful. I'm going to say his name wrong. It is a, it is a Jensen. He is the Arabic man that's in the cave with Iron Man when he gets um, like, kidnapped by those guys. Yeah. And he's about um, to die, and he basically tells Iron Man, don't waste your life. Thank you for saving me. Don't waste it. Don't waste your life. He tells that to Tony Tony Stark when he's first starting to become Iron Man. He's, and he basically he I mean, it's one of his last thing that he, you know he says. And to me, that's what Iron Man's all about. It's about a guy who's realizing that he has wasted his life up until right now. This guy of insane like brilliance, of just insane wealth, could do anything that he wants, and he's just squandered it on girls and girls and gambling and partying and just trying to like do things for his own ego as opposed to really trying to make the world a better place. And that to me is kind of the overall theme of this film. Yeah. That scene, when you watch that, you realize that, um, Jensen is, you know, he's, he's the, what was he? A, a medical doctor? Uh, I think he's the, he's well, a, no, I don't think he's a medical. I don't, I don't think he's an MD. Cause he's, no, I thought he was, he's in Iron Man three when they're at that one big convention in, in 99 i think he's like a physicist or oh, something. right yeah so, okay yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah so his character is the moral good side of tony like you can be all these things and i'm drawing you like i i am i am the the, the angel on your shoulder trying to get you to make the right decisions you know and the whole scene leading up to that is him just aggrandizing himself which is funny because Iron Man, the suit, it's still him, right? Like millionaire, playboy, philanthropist, mm-hmm. you know, like that. And, and you know, he, he's all these things, but he's all these things in the Iron Man suit for other people. Yeah. Right. Whereas the other time he, he did all this stuff for himself and his own, you know, whatever, eco gratification. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I, I think what's really, um, there's a really great quote from the director, John Favreau. Hope I pronounced that right again. Where he says, um, "Heroes aren't born; they are built," and that's what this film's about. Like, how does he build all of this? How does he build into a person who can who's for the other? Which is kind of a deep thing. I think with a really key thing to understanding Iron Man is you have to understand what is Stark Industries, and to a certain extent, Stark Industries. I think this film was about Tony trying to set that right to kind of realize it's gone out of con- control. And this is, I don't think it's the same as him. I don't think Stark Industries is Tony and Tony is Stark Industries. I think Tony views Stark Industries as being a part of himself and that he's a big part of that. But it's, you know, it was started by his dad. So I think he kind of sees it as this thing that he's the he's the caretaker of this right now. And yeah, this he's film, the legacy. Yeah. yeah. And this film is really all of, I called it in our notes here, it's the, greatest identi- it's the greatest identity crisis of all time because he's starting to go, okay, 
I've got to root out all of the evil that's going on here. We've sold, like he's realized that his weapons were sold illegally. And what he does is he takes those weapons and he actually builds the first Iron Man suit out of the, out of, of those weapons in, in a cave. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. He forged his future from the evilness of his past. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think um, this is kind of the Batman motif again. You know, Batman mm-hmm. didn't build Wayne Enterprises. His dad did. You know, he inherited it. Of course, you have a yeah, <laughs> Iron Man's parents were killed when he was young, although not as young, you know. So you kind of have this this um, similar storyline that's used often in comic books and heroes quest stories but the whole idea of the hero's quest is you have to come from like basically aloofness or indulgence or or being evil or whatever and then through self-sacrifice you meet you know you go on this journey the hero's quest and i think it's fascinating like what you just said his hero's quest started with uh, a a celebration that he just built more bombs the jericho Mm -hmm. he's riding with a bunch of soldiers talking about how many models he banged uh, from the Maxim covers, you know, November couldn't show up, but December was twin. So yeah, he banged 12. Uh, I'm not laughing at his sin. I'm just laughing at it. It's just kind of like, yeah, he just really admitted uh, that. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so this, this whole notion of like, and then it was, you know, the Stark bomb, you know, it, when he's hiding underneath the mm-hmm. rock or on the other side of the rock, and then it's one of his weapons that actually almost kills him. And the cool thing is when you think about what you just said, is not only is he uprooting that evil, but that evil is inside of him in the form of the shrapnel that's inching its way to his heart. Oh, yeah. Is his own Stark tech. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a really good point. So perhaps you know, maybe Stark maybe Stark Industries is kind of is kind of Tony. And that he's having to... And this I think this comes up again. This is... In the comic book, it definitely is. In the comic book, he doesn't leave the running of Stark Industries to his true. Yeah. assistant, Pepper Potts. He's in the comic books. He is. He, it's it's just like Bruce Wayne. Like yeah. in the comic books, Bruce Wayne leverages Wayne Enterprises more like Nolan, right? In um, the second Batman, where mm-hmm. he, uh, the Dark Knight, where he uses it to fight crime as well. Well, Bruce Wayne is in charge of it. He's not like a an aloof idiot, yeah. you know. Well, I I think to a certain extent, like. He, I don't know if Tony can quite yet put faith in himself, which is kind of what this film's all about, like trying to find the good in yourself. Like, because um, I think he does think he's kind of a piece of garbage. Um, but I think he believes that Stark, that he basically put his faith in the fact that he can make Stark Industries a force for good, which is a really key point because this comes, this this becomes head to head with him and I'm a Captain America down, down the road. I really want to. I think you kind of. This is the thing you have to you have to you have to understand here, is that Tony believes that in the power of organizations, even in what they can do, and he's seen what his organization has done that's bad. He, he goes through sees where all of these weapons have been sold, and his goal is to go through and find them all bit by bit. And that's all he like. You know, like he, he like he even says there's only the the only the like next mission, which the whole point in his mind at that point in time is to just get rid of all the filth and stark industries which is yeah. personified with obadiah stane yeah yeah so all right here we go that's iron Man. so let's go to hulk here are my notes on hulk reboot hulk hire edward norton question mark question mark question mark profit <laughs> yeah hulk what are your thoughts on the themes of hulk 
I've well, not seen it. You haven't seen it ever? Yeah, I just, I just, it looks so boring. <laughs> so I, I just heard it was boring. I just never brought myself to see it. So, and I kind of feel like they rebooted Hulk. They did a soft reboot with the Avengers. Yeah. So, yeah. So the idea behind Hulk is, I mean, it's the same. He's trying to escape the world because he doesn't want the Hulk to come out and hurt people. Mm-hmm. But the world, in particular, the United States military, blah, 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 is trying to hunt him down because they want to make super soldiers out of the Hulk, which is a theme that runs throughout. One of the themes that runs throughout all of the Marvel stuff is, okay, well, we got a Captain America and we got a Hulk. How can we reproduce this? So that, you know, like the Red uh, Red Skull was a super, super soldier serum gone bad, you know, all this stuff. So this is constantly a thing. So. You have, uh, I think it's, yeah. So I didn't like it. I liked Edward Norton's character. I like what he did with it where he, you know, he's like teaching himself yoga and and breathing techniques so he doesn't hulk out and he monitors himself the whole time. But, you know, again, it's the love affair with, with what's right. It is forgettable. Um, Did, why didn't he, because like, so all of these actors signed like six film contracts. Did he not? Do you know anything about that? I don't know. Edward Norton did not. Okay. Because I want to say I heard that it just didn't work out because of scheduling. But yeah, that that's what just, I heard. Too. Yeah. Okay. He had other movie projects he wanted to do. I think that they felt like no one was super excited about the Incredible Hulk movie like they were Iron Man. Yeah. And so he moonwalked out of it just when the franchise got epic. <laughs> I wonder if he regrets that. Yeah. So, all right. Mm. All right. So let's move on to Iron Man 2. Uh, I'm sorry. Unless there's anything else you want to say about the Hulk. I don't know if there's really much to say besides. I, think, I do really love. The Hulk is a a good character because it's the weakling scientist who's trying to save the world by not becoming the Hulk. And the cool thing about the comic books is the Hulk is not like we always, uh, you know, the from the 70s television show to like the Hulk is kind of a bad guy, but not on purpose because he kills innocent people on accident when he's hulking out. And people don't know that, like, that's not, it's not a huge thing, but there are storylines where the Hulk, like, rampages through because he's attacked by evil villain, blah, blah, blah. But he'll, like, throw a school bus through, uh, uh, or he'll smash a school on accident. And, like, a te- teachers and kids will die or something like that. Like, there was a storyline where that happened in Canada. And so he's, like, trying to get, just get into the snow and get away from civilization so he can keep people safe. Mm-hmm. So I think they did a good job with that. But it is this notion of, like, this beast within that I can't control. Do you try to control it or do you try to hide from everyone because you can't control it, you know? And so, which is something that constantly comes up with the Hulk character. Vis-a-vis the end of Avengers 2. And go on. No, I agree. And I think, yeah, I mean, I love where Hulk is now and and and, and what they've done with him. So if they had to kind of go through that film to get out all of the kinks, I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. All right, uh, Iron Man 2. I think one of the key themes from Iron Man 2 is identity. At the at the end of Iron Man, Tony Stark just goes, I am Iron Man. Also, like, bring it on you. And it's this huge hoopla, which they kind of, is he known as Iron Man in the comic books? Do people know that he's Iron yeah. Man? Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's, 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 that's what I thought. I just wanted to double check. Um I think what he does here is very interesting because now that he admits that like he is Iron Man, he's got to kind of ask the, the question of like who is Iron Man, 
and I read a really cool thing over on the on um on Arlick Marvel Studios, which is the MCU thing on like Reddit. It's it's the subreddit all about that. I want to give him a credit to this person. This is from OG Walt. You OG Walt. Um, he basically he or she talks about how if you look at the if you look at the two like villains, it's he um this person explained that almost it's like a mirror being held up to Tony saying like this is the worst parts of it or like these are the parts of you gone bad. I I kind of I kind of viewed as like this is what this is what, like who you are. This is what it would be like if it were to like go bad or become disordered. So with I forget, I forget the guy's name with the Sam Rockwell character, he's kind of the tech guru who just like wants to be loved, but isn't as good as Tony, and he just is kind of like an obnoxious guy. He's a kid who like tries to buy all of the like cool stuff, and you're like, dude, if you just would kind of like relax, you'd be fine. But you're just trying too hard. And then you have, uh, then you like have the Russian uh, dude. I forget his character's name. You remember who that is? Chekhov, yeah, and, right, yeah. Uh, no. Whiplash is it? Whiplash. Whiplash is the villain okay. name. Okay, yeah. yeah. So it is. It is like Mickey Rourke, I think, who was going through a big career like resurgence at that time. Um, he's, yeah, he's, he he looked the same in both the ex, I think it was the Expendables and uh, this movie. It's like, oh, okay, so he's like just wearing this weird hair and he's in this great oh. indie film called. The Wrestler, which kind of like revived his career, really, really great movie, and uh, got in this part. So, um, anyways, and he's kind of he's Tony's like tech, like tech, like nerd side gone wrong. Trying instead of trying to make the world a better place, he's trying to like seek vengeance for how he feels his. And this is kind of like a heavy film, and like, like Iron Man two gets dissed a lot. I don't think it's as I don't know if it's as well executed as Iron Man, but it's really trying to um, tackle some like really big things, especially with these two villains and how they reflect uh tony's bats or like tony like what who tony is gone bad and now like all guilty men you try to rewrite your own history yeah and how he has to really confront that and you know overcome that my favorite line is after the car race where you first meet whiplash and he tries to kill tony with the whips um and they're dragging him off and he's like mouth is filled with blood because tony punched him in the face He's going, you lose. <laughs> you lose. And my wife's like, what is he saying? You lose. You lose. It's like so weird the way he says it. You lose. I want my bud. <laughs> want my bud. Want my bud. Is, is this just like any bird? You want a bird? Do I got to go to Russia? Like, all right. All right, guy. Hey, I want my bird. I didn't like... I... Again, this is one of the things. Watching it again, I like Sam Rockwell's character more as like the desperately seeking approval, the kid who always comes in second but wants to be better, the kid who's super arrogant and full of himself because he's rich and powerful, but he's not Tony and he'll never be Tony. So he gets you know, he's he's um unscrupulous. He'll do anything to kind of advance, but at the same time He's not. He's just not good enough compared to Stark Industries and Tony Stark and all that stuff. But his character was so like I felt like there's times when you just go like over the top, and I felt like that was a little bit over the top. Mm-hmm. But I still liked it, and when I saw it the second time, I loved it. Well, and I think like one of the points is well, again, going back to the idea of like what's Tony's like? Who is it? so? Okay, so he's Iron Man. Who is Iron Man? Then who is Tony? Just 
he's only who he is right now because of like the talent that he has. And that was the thing that he honed, but it was also kind of, you know, he kind of like lucked out, you know, and just, I think one of the points of the film was just because you like lucked out doesn't mean you have a free pass. You've got to do something. You have to like, you have to decide, okay, now, so who am I and what am I going to do? And I think one of the really key parts to, you know, to understand all this is the fact that being Iron Man is actually killing him at this point in time because his, um, the, the um, one thing in his heart is it's starting to, it's kind of like poisoning his blood, right? So being Iron Man, having that, the, the, the thing that's, the thing that's keeping him alive is also killing him. And so if he doesn't try to do anything with that, he, with being Iron Man, he's going to, to die. And yeah, and that was the money line from the movie. The thing that's keeping me alive is what's killing mm-hmm. me. And I don't, and I think this is kind of where it gets really heavy. It's not until he has to really go. I think it is a good thing that he exists, that he finds really the drive to try to overcome that because he has to solve an impossible task, which we find out is he's got to create a brand new element in order to like fix his heart. And he finds this out through a thing that his dad, who died 25 years beforehand, this is like this is like old like video. And he says, You can't complete. I like I can't complete what I'm trying to do. We just create this like element and the idea is to have sustainable energy. But you can't because you are my greatest creation. And when he says that, I, I, I'm sorry, I think he says my greatest creation dot 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 you. And it's when he's affirmed when his own existence, when he sees it, because he thought his dad didn't care about him really all that much, that right. his dad did. His whole like existence is redefined affirmed yeah. yeah i mean it's like it's good that he's alive and he kind of goes oh my dad did love me it's really like theological if you if you really i'm stopping to think about it and that's and that's when i think tony kind of like it really inspires him to again he creates this element that keeps us that keeps his heart alive sorry that's able to keep him alive and starts to i'm trying to, trying to figure out the the right way to put this and tell me if you agree with all because it's kind of like a rant um what he does it's a start of being able to have sustainable energy clean energy for the whole world so this is my theme for iron man 2 is where the iron uh, iron man and tony stark is like the right wing guy in the series Mm -hmm. okay i don't know if you picked up on that but um uh, at the senator thing, uh, when he's being um, Gary Shanley's character is, <laughs> yeah. which is just he's so perfect. I love it. Um, when that <laughs> you, he stands up and Mr. he says, Stark, "F you, buddy." <laughs> yeah, he says, uh, "I just privatized world peace." Right, like it's this notion mm-hmm. of like, no, no, this is my property. You can't take my property. This is mine. This is capitalism. Like it's all of these things, and that's kind of his character, right? He's like, "I did all this. I just privatized world peace." You're welcome, Uncle Sam. You can take a nap now. You know, it's 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 my job. Iron Man's on the on the, you know, and that one part, um, he's switching out the paintings to put uh the Iron Man uh image up that's done in the Obama, that famous Obama poster. <laughs> right, yeah. And that's his hope underneath. Mm-hmm. And and it says hero. And so he takes this and she and Pepper Potts is yelling at him. And she's like, don't take that painting down. Don't you dare. And he gets rid of it. And he's like, I'm not getting rid of it. I'm just taking it down. I'm hanging something else here. And then she's going through all this stuff. And he goes, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I'm done with the whole thing. I'm done with the liberal agenda. It's boring. Do you remember that part? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Oh yeah, all those parts like stuck out to me because there was elements of that in the in the first movie. But then he's like, I'm done with the liver. Where he, the first movie it comes out when the reporter that he ends up sleeping with in the beginning is calling him the Merchant of Death. And he said, uh, where did, where'd you go to school? Let me guess. Berkeley. You know, and he names like these traditionally like super liberal yeah. schools. And she's like Brown. And he goes, okay, Ms. Brown. <laughs> well, your professors would think my, you know, he's like, you know, the older people at your university think my dad's a hero for inventing the nuclear bomb and all that stuff. So it's funny that that kind of becomes a part of this. But at the same time, he's doing these things to make Pepper happy, which is the sustainable energy and blah, blah, blah. But uh, so the, I think those themes are it's cool that they're interwoven. And yeah, it isn't until the Avengers that it, it the Stark Tower becomes sustainable and all that. Mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's I, I think one key thing to understanding a lot of these um, films and why the MCU is so great is it's a slow burn. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if, I don't know how much how much of this was actually planned out or how much of it was kind of like retconned afterwards. Um, which which is fine by me if it fits, um, but it's you really can kind of see oh there's like a bigger thing going on here. But I think you have to have hindsight in order to see that. So um, one I think one one also key part here is this kind of like theme of there's this which was introduced at the end of Iron Man with the after credit scene. Nick Fury uh, says, "You think you're the only superhero? You just became part of like a mostly bigger world." this world starts to kind of slowly rear its head a bit. You've got more like Nick, you have more of, um, you have the shield people there. You have um, black widow is introduced more of more like agent Coulson, who I think he represents the good part of a shield and a person trying to do the right thing, trying to realize that like this world could just like, be just like blowing the bits at any point in time. We're just doing our best to not have that happen. Yeah. We're the front line against it all. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think when you start to view Iron Man too, again, not perfectly executed, but when you really take these, like look at the overall, like what's, what's the, what are the point, what's the point of this film? Try to like really understand it. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Two, three stars. Uh, cool. Anything else on Iron Man too? No, man, I loved it, and I really did. I really did like it. I didn't like it as much the first time, but I liked it a lot. Uh, or I should say the first time. I've probably seen the movie like five times, but this this go-round, I really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, I do too. All right. Now it's time. So at the, ver- so at the, end, at the end credit of Iron Man 2, they find Thor's hammer, which I mean I'm going to try to pronounce. And Majorna? <laughs> what do they say? The, the girl? No, it's uh oh man, oh, M- Mjolnir. She goes like Mjolnir. She goes like Mew Mew or something. Meow meow meow. Mew Uh So we come. So the next one we're gonna talk about is Thor. Thor is kind of an interesting film. The a guy who directed it is like a big. I guess he he's like a Shakespeare dude. Him or the writer. So they're trying to go for some big epic like thing and they didn't hit it but it's kind of interesting i think again one of the key things that comes up here is identity no it's daddy issues. daddy issues. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah there's that that's 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 a big part so what are the daddy issues in thor well number one thor is trying to live up to 
a guy whose last name is Allfather. So that's kind of <laughs> difficult. Odin, mm-hmm. right? So the protector of the nine realms, all of that stuff. And then you have Loki, whose dad is actually the enemy yeah, uh, in real life, mm-hmm. but who was raised by his adopted father, Odin Allfather. A reverse Moses. So, Almost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so he goes full reverse Moses. <laughs> <'Cause> he, <laughs> so he he's like so, Moses, but the opposite. <laughs> but be warned. Um. So he has he has that aspect of it, or you have that that kind of struggle of like, who am I in relation to my dad? Like, because if dad is everything, if your dad is the hero, if your dad is the center of the universe, who are you? Well, Thor is the arrogant warrior, and Loki is. Well, shit, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't he's even know. More the, like the, the god power of mischief? Hang, Yeah, he's a god like mischief, but he's more power-hungry slash he's the cunning one. Right. So, yeah. It's, and the funny thing is he is like Sam Rockwell. He's always mm, playing second fiddle. Yeah. He never measures up. Um, when push comes to shove, he fails. He's not as good compared to his brother. Uh, he always lives in his brother's shadow, which becomes a major theme in the Avengers. Yeah. Well, um, I, that's why he's the villain in the Avengers. I think it really does come back to like one of the big parts of phase one. One of the themes that you see in all these films is identity. Like what kind of a person are you going to be? Thor realizes he's got to grow up. He has to kind of, um, I'm not sure, but that even though this is his, like his like birthright, that doesn't guarantee that like, he's got to choose what kind of a King he wants to be. And the only person who can really take it away from him is really himself. And he's and he, he does that in the beginning of the film by going to attack these people in a really kind of boring action scene. But um, th- and it I think Thor's at its best when he's the fish out of water trying to figure trying to get back home. Yeah, because Thor and this is kind of the really key theme here too is just like his family that we that we you know hit on here is that Thor loves his family and his family we see over the course of the films has done some messed up stuff. And some of the things he's they're having to deal with is they they're starting to reap what they have sown, especially his dad. Uh, are you are you talking about including Ragnarok? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, again, I don't know if that was their intent in the beginning, but it's kind of there. This idea, of like, cause if if you really like, they could very easily have Thor go. Okay, so look at my like half brother. Sorry, look at this. Like, look at my adopted brother. He screwed up. I don't want anything to really. I don't want anything to do with him. He is destroyed when you think like Loki dies at the end of that film. Yeah. He's he really, he really like the importance of like family and especially to his identity as a person is huge in Thor. He never like it tears him apart that Loki's a bad guy. And no matter how, because yeah. if, you, if you were, you know, hit these films ex- extremely like seriously, uh, you would see like it's, I would say like Loki's almost like a Hitler. Like he kills a lot of people and yeah. does some evil, evil things, but Thor won't ever abandon him. Ever. Yeah. Come home and stop this madness. Yeah, no, he even says the uh one of the quotes here that I put down was the throne would do you ill, brother. Like he says, I understand that you want this, but this is just going to de this is going to destroy you. And uh Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. So Thor, um, just try to tackle a lot of good stuff. Not the best film in the world, but not the worst either. Okay, now here's my deal with Thor. Can I can I do some problems? Yeah. I got some problems. Yeah. I got a bone to pick with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Here we go. Where the hell is Asgard? 
Asgard. Where the hell is Asgard? Asgard no, let me, is let me... a people, not a place. Oh, <laughs> oh, that only adds to the confusion. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is it. Okay, nine realms. Tree of Life connects all the nine realms, there you especially go. to Earth. Bada bing, bada boom. This is the problem of, of, of retconning a mythology that has existed for thousands of years, right? So, okay, so there's Valhalla, which is like heaven. There's Asgard, which is the place where the gods live. And then there's Earth, uh, uh, Anaheim, where Disneyland is. So you have all, I'm just kidding, um, you have all of this stuff. Where the hell is Asgard? Okay, Asgard is not a planet. It's yeah. planet-like. It's got a bunch of clouds. It's got mountains that stick out of the clouds going down. It's got mountains that rise up out of the clouds going up. And it's got this huge sprawling city and countryside kind of thing with the golden spires in the front. Then it has a waterfall that goes off to the abyss. And it has the Bifrost, the rainbow bridge and the Bifrost and all this stuff. Okay, where the hell is it? It's, is it like it's a state of being, man? It's a state of being. <laughs> Listen, bro, Asgard's in your heart, man. So this is what I was thinking when I saw Thor one. I thought, ah, this is what Asgard is. Ah. Asgard is like a extra dimensional reality. Like it's like a higher dimension thing. Okay, cool. Higher dimension. These nine realms are interdimensional things. Like they're not just like. It's not like I'm going to Mars, then I'm going to go to a planet near Alpha Centauri, then I'm going to go visit Asgard. So you think like, oh, it's this magical place where magic and science all the same thing, right? Blah, blah, blah. That was a terrible was Chris terrible. Hemsworth impression. He, no, but it was like a terrible line. And his beard in this film drives me crazy because it's not No, real. it's not his beard, man. It's his, it's his black eyeliner looking crap. His eyes look squinty the whole time. Anywho, moving along. I like this movie. I liked everything about it. I liked, you know, so, or I didn't like everything about it, but I liked it a lot. But where the hell is Asgard? So the whole time you're led to believe it's like this. It's not really in our space per se. Like, That's how you can aim a beam straight and yeah. it takes you to any planet that you mm-hmm. want to go to. But then when you get to Ragnarok, a spaceship comes, picks all the people up, takes off. Another spaceship comes up to it. Like you're like, wait a second. This is just in normal space. Where are the clouds? I don't know. What, what is this? <laughs> Who are these beings? And then you're like, they're immortal. They're gods. And then Loki, in, a, in I think it was in the second one, reveals that, no, they're 5,000 years old or something like, like 5,000 years is practically they think immortal. We're immortal. Do you think we should test that? Uh, yeah. So what do you think Thor wants in this film? What does Thor, the character Thor want in Thor? Pooty. 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 Let's hot chicks. <laughs> No, what does he want? He wants, uh, uh, you know, in the beginning, he wants, he just wants to go back and have everything be vainglory. what it was. Yeah. He wants, yeah, he, he is vainglory. That's exactly what he is. Yeah. He is vainglory. It's all about me and look at the amazing things we've done and the people we've killed and the, you know, we've protected the realm, the realm, but it's all about him. Mm-hmm. You are a selfish, petty, cruel Good little boy. <laughs> and you are an old man and a fool. And I make Luke feel insecure when I have my shirt off. <laughs> so uh i uh i i enjoyed anthony hopkins as odin yeah it's, i mean it's anthony hopkins him and um you can't go wrong with him or renee um uh, russo yeah oh she was great amazing and gorgeous and uh you know one of the lines uh, she said some line in the movie your father always uh has his reasons or he always knows i didn't i didn't write the quote the quote down exactly I think she was saying it to Loki, and he was playing up the sympathy. Mm-hmm. And she says something along the lines of, 
Your father always has his reasons for what he does. And so you know that the, everyone knows that the whole point of this movie is to the hero quest for Thor to recover the, to be the hero and not the vainglorious warrior. Mm-hmm. And, but, but his hero is, his hero is always expressed through the warrior ethic, like the Viking warrior ethic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think it was really cool, you know, where she says that and you're like, of course, like, I mean, you, everyone knows how the movie's going to go. But um, then it gets a little Christological where he dies in his human form, only to be resurrected oh, in right. his glorious yeah. state <laughs> as Thor. So the destroyer actually kills him. He sacrifices his, himself. Yeah. Yes. To save his, to save those he loves. Well, and, and that's really, you're right, that's how, it's kind of interesting because if you look at when Christ died, so Christ dies at like, uh, he, the tradition is the age of 33, right? Yeah. And I think there's this idea that like when you're 33, you should really have your stuff together. Like that's when you got to really grow up. That's like, you know, you're, that's it. That should kind of be the point I would, I would say. And, uh, Thor is, and really it's all about, it's about him growing up yeah. to a certain extent. Like, you know, and who, what kind of man is he going to be? You know, he, he really does change. Like he starts to speak with a little bit more like, oh, I've had my time and I failed, but I will do my best to save, you know, whatever. And it's at yeah. its best when it's a fish out of water because that's how you grow is when you're uncomfortable. And Thor is very uncomfortable for the majority of this film, especially when he's on Earth or Mingard, whatever it's called. Yeah, Midgard. That's right, Midgard. Midgard. The best, the best part of him is where he tries to grab the hammer and he can't. Mm, yeah, that that's was a, really cool. It was a good scene. It was just a good overall yeah. scene where he screams at his dad and, is, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> He thinks it's just this little thing like, oh, I get it. I'm supposed to knock it off yeah. and okay. But then he realizes, oh, crap, the consequences are real. Which is like what happens when you're an adult. It's how you really grow. It's when yep. you have to face that like, holy crap. Um, you know, this, oh, this is real. Oh, mm-hmm. I call do-over. Um, yeah, you don't get to do that in life. No, no, you don't. You can only just try to make it better and die when a big space alien comes and tries to attack a small town <laughs> in New Mexico. <laughs> Uh, key things here also as well is to take away the introduction of Hawkeye. That was great. More of Agent Coulson, the good part of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, just trying to come to terms with like what is S.H.I.E.L.D., what's going on here. There's a much bigger thing than what's just going on on Earth. So yeah. that's 2011's Thor. Are you ready for the next one? I am. Captain here. America, the first Avenger. Again, key theme here. I but but done in a very kind of like a different way is I it's more instead of trying so I think one of the big important themes of of Captain America again is identity but unlike in Iron Man wanting to and in Thor where they have to try to like change and grow Captain America is forced with having to maintain the core element of who he is, that old Steve Rogers kid, like the five four guy who weighed who weighed like ninety five pounds, and had all had like asthma and all these other like you know all these other intense issues, who through this crazy almost science experiment becomes this huge buff guy that makes me feel really insecure when I see him without his shirt. <laughs> is that what you're just gonna say for everyone? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone except Iron Man, who's like not that at all. Um, he's got to maintain you know being what uh what dr erskine calls him a good man yeah uh i okay so all of these are origin stories mm-hmm. right and so with that you have to understand that there is going to be major themes that are 
found throughout or common themes that mm-hmm. are found throughout, mm-hmm. which is identity. Who am I? I'm going on the hero's quest. But this is where the hero quest, hero's quest genre gets skewed because he's already a hero. He just doesn't have the strength to be. Mm-hmm. He has the heart of a hero. Tony Stark did not. Thor did not. Thor had, you would say that Thor had all the wrong things. He had all the, or not all the wrong, excuse me. He had all the, all the pieces in place except for the right heart. And Tony had many of the pieces in place, but it was all, it was all his head, like it was all the mental strength, right? Mm-hmm. So he builds a suit of armor to get that strength, but it was through the self-sacrifice that he learned how to be the hero because he encountered the life and death of, you know, the, the man that saved his life. And so you, you look at Thor, yeah, you see the hero's quest. Tony, you see the hero's quest. But then you come to Captain America, and you're like, this guy is good through and mm-hmm. through. I stand up for the little guy. I hate bullies, you know, all of that stuff. He's respectful of, of women. He's respectful of, you know, the military and all of this stuff. He, you know, why do other people get to go and sacrifice and do all these sacrifices and, you know, and serve their country? And, and I don't get to, you know, he, ca- he applied five or six times before he was accepted into the military in different locations so that they wouldn't have his paperwork, like mm-hmm. all of this stuff. So that's interesting. He, he was just lacking the muscles. Yeah. <laughs> and so he couldn't build himself a suit, but it's kind of cool that it was Howard Stark that gave him, you know, the strength to do it. Yeah. And this is kind of a key part too, is that, uh, Howard is that, um, sorry, is that Tony Stark and we don't, I don't want to get too deep into this right now. Does resent Steve for that a little bit. I think. Yep. Growing up, that's all you used to hear about cap this and mm-hmm. cap that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think a one key thing too about this is the importance of putting your trust in your putting your trust in people. Uh, where if you look at someone, and again, this is kind of important to, to contrast this to Tony Stark and Iron Man, who put his trust and his efforts into his organization. Steve Rogers, Captain America, he really he really trusts people. He doesn't care. Like he doesn't. It's not that you know he even says he doesn't want to really kill Nazis. He just doesn't like doesn't like them all bullies, regardless of where they are from. He trusts the doctor. Doesn't care that he's from germany he trusts him because he's a because he's a really good person steve's able to see that he can identify that yeah one of my favorite lines is where he says you know like we're gonna go over there and kill nazis or kill germans or whatever they said and he's like you know like i got nothing against them i just need to you know we just need to stand up to the bullies yeah and i thought that was a really good distinction within him mm -hmm. it is all about the people Mm -hmm. and you have to think it too for steve how many times he was let down by or organizations or sees organizations gone wrong. Um, yeah. The army they let him down. They they you know like changed his life. They changed him into this into this thing. And when the doctor is killed by someone from Hydra, the German doctor, Doctor Einstein, or however you uh, however you pronounce that, the uh, the army in the form of Tommy Lee Jones character says. I need an army and I got, I don't remember what he says, but he be, he basically says, you're, you aren't any good to me now. Now that this is all kind of like pointless, I don't want to deal with you. And he just becomes like a, he becomes like a shill for the army. He becomes, he feels like he just becomes like a monkey or like a, just like kind of loses his like personhood a bit. Yeah. Because he is an actor to sell war bonds mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's it. That's all he is. Instead, he's supposed to be the super soldier, but they're like, Nope, you're too important 
to for research and you know i'm not going to let you go into the field but then it destroyed the whole reason why he was doing what he was doing but here's the interesting thing he still did it he still went and sold war bonds because he knew that it would help that it was the right thing yeah yeah he will he will do the right thing this is one other thing too of 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 this film is doing the right thing regardless of the cost yeah i think it's and um even if you look so if you look at um go back to this whole like his distrust of organizations he steve's big enemy isn't it's not so much that it's red skull although i think that is true is that it's hydra and what is hydra other than this just big massive evil organization um that really tries to destroy people and doesn't really care about people they only care about hydra and trying to maintain like what they view as being as being like as being order so steve really does steve cares about he cares about people hydra is the exact opposite of him yes he cares about the individual person they don't care what you you, you strike one down two or more will go you know mm-hmm. will grow in its place they don't care about people that's why they wear masks and are completely covered and they obliterate their identity right that's that's the thing about hydra the only you exist to uplift me right that's the cult mm-hmm. right that's what hitler did right you exist yeah. to uplift the ubermensch the superman and then but steve rogers he's the inversion i exist to uplift the everyday person i exist to safeguard the ordinary man not the ordinary man exists to lift me up yeah and so you see that with red skull in his cavalier attitude about you know sending people his own men to die or killing other nazis um, that come in to kind of shut down the Hydra organization when they realize that they care more about Hydra than they do about Hitler and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the, the whole idea is Hydra is this nameless, faceless mass of, uh, massive organization. And <laughs> you have the guy that's I'm for individualism and apple pie grandma, <laughs> but you know, but he is, and that's like, he, yeah. He represents, and I, and I, and this is kind of advice because I know he's a white male, so I, I know I'm not trying to say that that's what's good about what's good about the like United States, but I think so. Let's just push that aside for right now, which for some people we say you really can't do that, but we are. Um, Steve is what's good about America. It's the it's the you know hometown boy made good. It's the kid who would fight anyone if they were bad, regardless of, you know, he could do this all day long. That's such an American thing. Yeah. This idea of you just keep, you don't stop doing the right thing, regardless of what it costs you, even if it's your own life. That, that's, the, that's the narrative Americans tell ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. even though we're yeah. the most powerful country in the world, we constantly sell ourselves on we're actually the underdog. Totally. And we're here, like, that, that's a constant theme in, in our you know, like we're just here to help people out, and mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, well, we are the most powerful country in the world, <laughs> but that is that is a constant theme. And so, Steve Rogers is kind of the best of the wasps, like that's his deal, yeah. right? Like, he's he really does stand for truth and justice, and he does not want to, he's selfless in all the right ways. He wants people to be able to yeah. live their own lives in freedom, he, you know, he, which is very important in winter soldier and in mm-hmm. civil war he's what um what, what the like united states could be what america could be if we actually i'm um, lived up to our promise yeah he's the ideal mm-hmm. realized yeah like and if because even if uh you look at like who's on his team you have a japanese guy you, you have a french guy you 
have an African-American. You've got, you have all these different ethnic groups that are, are together and he just cares about them because they are human beings and they're the right people for the job. That's the only thing he cares about. So, uh, anything else with this? Wow. That was really good. I just think it's really interesting that he's not on the hero's quest. Yeah. Cause he, he well, cause he has been his whole life. Yeah, I guess that's true. He's he like like Luke Skywalker. He's a good kid, but he's a farmer, mm-hmm. a moisture farmer. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any opportunity. He this guy's a good kid. He's watching everyone else go past him into military service. He just can't. And I will say, I liked I liked the um I liked the set design. I liked the costume design. I liked all that stuff. I the all 40s, the components. Uh, aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There there was uh some CGI stuff that I thought was a little lame. Um, and some of the scenes like where he. They're like going into a factory and he jumps up and like grabs a rope and he's swinging. It just looks really yeah. super hokey that I don't think happened in Iron Man they did, one or two. They did a great job of trying to make him look scrawny, I thought, for the most part. Oh, incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Have, have, you, incredible. have you seen about how they did that? It's really unreal. It's kind of amazing. Uh, I, whenever it first came out. I remember watching it, but I can't. I can't remember what they do. It's basically this whole like mix between. So it was Chris Evans, and they would do CGI stuff, and this other just really scrawny small guy. He was that size, and it's like mixed it around. Yeah, that is so fun. It's yeah, it's really kind of it's really crazy. But uh, I like I, I I like there's a there's a thing about Captain I Cap Captain America. If I were you know right off when I first saw these films was. He, I loved him the most. You loved him, not necessarily the movie. No, yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, not great, but good. And it's gotten better the more I've watched these films. There's something about. I think it's because of these themes right here that they try to tackle. And they do take up. This is what I think. This is kind of the power of comic books. Is you can take this heavy stuff and do them in just these like fantastic, fun ways. They take this seriously. Like these are they're really there's there's some there's no again it's this is pop this is pop culture so it's not as deep as say. Drawn a blank, but as a as a uh, Coen Brothers film, but it shouldn't be any surprise that they were able to, you know, that that a film like Black Panther could, you know, come after these films, if that makes sense. Yeah, like I don't think Black Panther is just. I don't think it's an anomaly with all this. So, because I think one key thing to uh, to understand. Is well, these films are being made. There's a little bit of a battle going on within the Marvel world between Kevin Feige and the head of Marvel, who they then kind of end up splitting the two when Disney bought them because the head of Marvel just cared about wanting to sell toys and did, he wanted to make these films as cheap as he could. So it's kind of oh right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, how awful! And then you have someone like Tony Stark, uh, what uh, Robert Downey Jr., who gets paid. <laughs> Tens of millions, and so because they ultimately went with Feige and let Tony Stark or let uh, Robert Downey Jr. play Tony Stark mm-hmm. in Captain America: Civil War, which is just as much about Iron Man as it was Captain America, mm-hmm. um, that I, I think someone was saying that that shows the triumph of Feige's vision over the president of Marvel. I agree. Like that they were willing to spend so much money, and the idea was they would give him like five million dollars and let him have a couple parts, and he's like, "Nah, I'm not going to do it. Wouldn't do the film justice." So then they go back, and that that's what that kind of represented. Yeah, 
So um, one key thing I just kind of want to add to here, I think it's really key to understand again about how how just much of how much Steve puts the people first is at the very end of the film when he realizes he's been under ice for, you know, like 75 years. It's not so much that he's angry about that. It's that he let Peggy down. Yeah. I love that part. He just, yeah. He had a dance or something like that. So now my my favorite line in the movie. Now, this came at the end, which was also at the post credit scene, which was also a scene in Avengers where he's punching on the punching bag. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which also has one of the worst trailers of all time for Avengers. No, the of it was so dumb. <laughs> yeah, it was so terrible. Shannon's like, was this real? Was this in the 80s? Like, what is this? <laughs> um, it, was, it was so funny. But the line that he had, I think it was at that punching bag scene. So I kind of equate it with the Avengers and, and that one. But he said, when, oh, I, I have it written down. When I went away, we were at war. When I woke up, they said we won. They didn't say what we lost. Mm-hmm. And that line, like, what is what they lost? Like, it wasn't just he lost Peggy because she was technically still alive. He lost his whole, you know, life with her. But um, what they lost is what America has become now in the post-war. Yeah. What S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing, yeah. which ultimately, so to me, that was that line was amazing foreshadowing of the conflict in Winter Soldier that becomes Civil War. Totally. Done. Done. Captain America. All right. Last, but certainly not least at all, the Avengers. Uh, Great movie directed by Joss Wheaton, who ends up being kind of a huge, not good guy. (laughs) <laughs> but anyways, that's a whole other that's a whole other pod, what podcast. You, what do you mean? Oh, it like his turns out he's just not like the, he's uh, he loved to have affairs. Let's just put it that way. He's like the nerd oh. given way too much power. Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah, hometown boy done bad. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but still, um, I think he was the perfect man for this film because again, we have to remember that there was no guarantee this was going to be good. There had never been a film to bring together this large of a this like this may like leading cast cast members uh sorry what am i trying to say there had not been a film as far as i recall that had that many characters that had that had starred in their in their own films yeah it is hard so just i mean to have so many high quality people and to have so many leading actors right so that's the problem people we we just like oh yeah i just throw these people in there you can't just do that when you're making a movie mm-hmm you have to give service to every single person because they all are the star. And that's when it makes, usually you have like one, two or three stars, but this has like seven, eight, nine stars. They're all high caliber, you know, big people being brought in to do this. Mm -hmm. And I think that they executed it really, really well. Yeah. Um, I have some issues that I think we can get into, but um, the only thing I, I, I wanted to say, and I want to say this about Captain America and Avengers is, uh, Chris um, Chris Evans, who plays Steve Rogers, Captain America, he was in the Fox owned Marvel of he was the the was. Flame on yeah. guy. Yeah, how funny mm-hmm. that they repurposed him and he was the perfect guy to do it. Totally, I know it's really. Funny. It's just like the whole Green Lantern to Deadpool, but they're both <laughs> in the Marvel universe. As a Green Lantern was the DC universe, so. I find that amazing that they did that, that they took a chance with him, slightly older, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a young. That was his whole character in the. What was his name? The Human Torch. The Human Torch. Yeah. Yeah. It's Johnny the Human Torch, right? Something like that. Yeah. Just terrible. First name was terrible Johnny. Um, terrible movie. So Johnny Storm. This film is super interesting. Um, when we get to the themes of the Avengers, I, I think I, I, actually there's one quick thing that I want to say about like why I think this film works. I think it's very important to understand this. This this film works because it takes the whole, they they have taken the whole comic book idea of you have your all like individual comic books, and from what I understand, they tend to do a big group thing over the summer. Correct. Yeah. Totally. And they're yeah. doing that, but they're not. So the, the, they're not trying to like force that on to movies. They're trying to ask how how can movies do that? Yeah. So instead of being a top down thing, which a lot of comic books films are, because they have these things that they have to hit, I don't think they're really trying to do that. They're trying to build it from the bottom up, which is why I think it works. So I just wanted to throw my works for me. Yeah, take all my money. <laughs> Seriously, so I think one thing here, really, again, going to this a thing that's been over and over again, is this idea of identity, especially as it relates to the the uh, uh, group dynamics. I think of the Bruce Banner line: "No, we're a time bomb," or something like. Yeah, you know, they want to bring this group together, but it's really not working. And how do you, and does this group really even need to come together? They're all kind of like, why are we doing this? This is not going to work. We don't really work well. They're just like arguing a lot and they all have their, they all have different things that they want. They're all on the uh, same page and it takes, uh, and, and they kind of knew, I, and I think this is one of the things that I really debate about this film. Is it good that um, Nick Fury, that he lied about the Captain America cards in, um, Agent Coulson's jacket. Oh, in order to get them mm-hmm. to to go and fight. Yeah, that's the push that, that they need to kind of like put their egos aside. Be, because I think what you have, what's the one constant guy throughout all of these films besides besides Captain America is is Agent Coulson, who has his own bonding moment with uh, with Captain America in the beginning of the Avengers, which I think really works. It's super important that that happens because everyone else has kind of had that. Yeah. So you're just wondering, like, was that a good thing to do it, to lie them into <laughs> in, into choosing the mission? Because it's not exactly a lie, because Agent Elm Coulson, while he's dying, he says this wasn't going to work unless they had a push. And he's, I think he's telling Nick Fury, use this. Use, like, don't let my death be in, in, be in vain. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's clever, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to debate the morality of it. I like <laughs> that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not not because I don't want <laughs> Luke. I think your question is stupid, and I hate you. No, it's like I, I, I don't know. I don't know how else to get them to assemble. I mean, they weren't assembling. They, here's something. Okay, this is what I didn't like about the Avengers. Can we talk about this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Loki's plan was to steal the fancy mineral that could be used to help control the Tesseract. When he did the whole eyeball thing on that one guy. Yeah, it's and something then, about that. And then all of that was a distraction so that he would get captured by all of them, put on the aircraft carrier. What is it? What was the aircraft carrier called? I, I can't. Uh, I was trying to talk. The helicarrier? Not, or something? Yeah, the helicarrier. Yeah. And then the whole idea was to make the Hulk Hulk out and destroy all the heroes at once. Wasn't that the, wasn't that the plan? I think that he... Okay, so... Terrible plan. Remember when Tony Stark said that? Terrible plan. plan. Yeah. 
So okay, so let's okay, so let's kind of I'm gonna t- just tie this in so we stay on track in terms of talking about the overall like, themes as opposed to like rehashing the the, the the plot. But I think this does fit, so it's important. One of the key themes here is the conflict between um between freedom and order. What does Hydra want to bring order to the world as they see fit? They don't care about the individual, they just care about bringing order through Hydra. And I was really confused, not not confused, just surprised that when we first see like Loki in this film, he talks, what does he talk about the whole time? The, how he talks about how, what is life's, what is life's great lie? What does he say it is? It is freedom. Yeah, it is freedom. And I was like, why did he talk about freedom? He didn't talk about this at all in Thor. That's kind of weird. But when you think about it, and we're going to go into in this in the next part of our podcast, that's really important. And I think what Loki's trying to do is he's trying to establish his kingdom on Earth. He's an antichrist. He's trying to take over the world because he wants to be in charge. He wants to be king. He wants everyone to kneel before him, as he says in the beginning. But, but like he, it's what he's wanted his whole life, and he's been given this chance, this task by some guy that we don't know who yet, to you know really, he has to subjugate Earth. Because for some reason, Earth is a threat, or Earth needs to Earth. Someone needs to take over Earth. I think he knows that the that the um. I think he knows that the the like Avengers could stop him, and I think he knows that there's a very good chance he won't that he might not be able to like win an out and out like fight first. So he's gonna kind of destroy them from the inside. Well, he's Loki. He has to be mischief making. Yeah, yeah. I and I think he wants to. I, I, it might be more that like he just wants to destroy them first, and so that's why he goes, okay, if I can get the Hulk to just Hulk out, get them all to go crazy, I've got to, I've got to get this stuff in order to make the Tesseract work. If it comes at the cost of me being kidnapped, okay, what can I do with that? Well, maybe I can get, I, I can get them to Hulk out because there's this really key part here that. Um, he says he says a warm light for all mankind, and they have and, they, and all and where it's brought up is where all the like, Avengers are arguing in the helicarrier, and it's extremely tense right before like Loki's guys come and like blow everything to to um, hell. And Bruce Banner tells Iron Man, Tony Stark, I think he's talking about you because of his like, whole like energy thing and blah blah blah. And I think that's true, but on a actually deeper level, I think I think Amaloki's actually talking about the Avengers that he knows that that's what they could be, and he's got to stop that before it comes to that point. Hmm. I think Loki wanted Earth just because Thor had a woman that he loved there, and Thor discovered himself, and that's where Thor defeated, you know, Loki's the Destroyer monster guy, and he I wanted agree. to use. He I agree wanted with that. To use, yeah, he wanted to use that because Thor says that. He's like, is that why you've come here? Because, you know, whatever, and you want to destroy her and all this stuff. But uh, I think that's it. And I think the um, there's a constant theme uh, that, that fits in with the Hydra motif of freedom versus peace through subjugation, right? Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to make some, I'm going to make a potentially uh, crazy statement. Okay, you ready for this, Luke? That's, that's why we're on this road my good friend islam means subjugation islam also means peace okay 
So it's this notion that there will be peace when everyone submits to the will of Allah, right? That's the kind of like, mm-hmm. like the theme there. Okay. There is, and that's and and Muslims do not believe in free will; they believe in kismet, fate. Okay. So there's always been whether you're talking about philosophy or religion or you know when you're talking about behavioral psychology versus you know cognitive therapy, all these different things, all these different schools of thought that challenge the notion of freedom and you have someone like um jean-paul sartre who uh basically asserts that human beings are are radically free and that radical freedom has condemned us because we have no identity we have there is no there there when you get into our into who we really are now the one things that we know about the avengers is that um what's the producer's name joss wheaton is he's also big into philosophy he's an atheist Mm -hmm. right so mm-hmm. these these are some of the major like philosophical themes that they toy with in all of the Avengers is like, or not all the Avengers, but aspects of it. Like, are is our freedom like? So Captain America represents like freedom is the freedom of the individual is the absolute, and on the other side is Hydra. On the other side is Loki. On the other side is ultimately Thanos and all of the bad stuff. And all they want to do is limit our freedom, right? And so this is kind of like a philosophical theme that runs throughout the Avengers. The reason why I bring up Islam is just to say, like, this is written large throughout all of human culture. Like, Mm -hmm. is there really freedom? You know, and then you have a French atheist existentialist saying, yes, the only thing that there is is freedom, and it kills us. We hate it. And Loki really embodies that Jean-Paul Sartre uh, Mm. on being a nothingness philosophy. Where So he's a nihilist in Mm. in the existentialist camp of, I'm going to take you, this is what you have. You have this freedom, but you don't know what to do with it. You hate it. It's killing you. I will take it all away from you and give you peace. Mm-hmm. But I have to be the God of this world that my brother likes, you know, <laughs> like, mm. yeah, that's interesting. That's so, that's, yeah, that, I think that, that dude, that was brilliant. That was, that was a much better way of trying to get at what like I've been trying to get at with, with this is like, what's going on here? What's the story being told? I think that that's it. Oh, that's interesting. Because, uh, well, I'll wait. That's great. Well, and, you know, it's kind of interesting because the point of... No, no, no. Keep affirming me. <laughs> if, if you look at what goes on with with the, like, Avengers, there's this weird almost tension between uh, Iron Man and Captain America. That's, you know, kind of starts and you see it. And you can tell that there's, like... the it's They have a really great chemistry, those two actors, because you can tell that they really like like each they like each other they are buddies but it's this forced friendship that they probably would not have become friends on their own if they just pass each other on the street they don't have anything in 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 um, a common for the most part but this stuff and they you know kind of go uh they go toe to toe for a bit and steve really doesn't like the things that um Tony Stark is is about that he won't sacrifice himself like Steve in the you know in his first film jumps on a on a grenade he basically like is willing to die to save others and Tony Stark won't do that yet he's willing to like he'll try to cut the wire he'll try to which he says as much he'll do everything he can to try to stop it but he's too he isn't willing to give his own life yet because that's all he kind of has yeah and there's this weird um, tension there of like, how do you, we both want to do the right thing, but how, like, what is the right thing? And how do you go about doing that there? Which I think is when you 
when you kind of contrast that to the other side and this idea of like the right thing is just us in charge and trying to keep order however we've got to do it who 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 cares how we do it let's just do it um that's interesting which is a tendency of shield and nick fury Mm -hmm. and like and the the shadow council that's there that is advising and apparently over shield you don't really understand who they are you just know they're government leaders from around the world and you're not allowed to see their faces so they are the shadow council they are making life and death decisions whether it's whether or not to activate the avengers or whether or not to um, nuke new york and and you come to find out through the movies that most of them or some of them are hydra mm-hmm. and they're just they want to co-op the tesseract for themselves or whatever it is but like you have all of these elements where individuals are expendable like mm. just nuke new york mm-hmm. you know and then who is it that saves new york it's not captain america it's iron man yeah it's iron man at the cost of his own life mm-hmm. what he thought was his own life yeah yeah he totally you know he thinks and like steve respects that like steve doesn't try to save him I mean, steve tries to give him time and he goes no we have to close it he made the sacrifice he made the call when someone had to do it and yeah. steve respects that but also understands like that's what you have to do that's what you times. do when you're a soldier yeah yeah which is a huge issue yeah oh man there's so much that's all uh oh man that's a really good point about the bomb and, and the council i think it's kind of interesting with shield because shield tries to deal with the world as it is while also try to strive for some kind of ideals. I don't think S.H.I.E.L.D., I don't think they're the bad guy, but it's interesting that Coulson did die. If he, if you know, he, like, represents the, the best of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's interesting that he dies in this film because it shows what the cost of it to be S.H.I.E.L.D. means you do kind of, like, to be a part of this means you have to kind of, like, lose what's best of you a little bit. You, you have to, you're going to take that hit. Either, I'm a li- either, either die the hero or you have to live long enough to become the villain Ooh, settle down chris nolan i know okay well i i agree with that i agree with all that and i just think um it also foreshadows the fact that half of shield is actually made up of hydra yeah and they're just waiting for the right time to strike and you you get that when you know you're in the um you get that in in the next uh captain america civil war when or no 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 was it winter soldier yeah you winter soldier when you start to find out that so many of them are are literally just yeah well i mean what like phase two which is that big um it's all the big hella all the big hella carriers from the right the, the winter uh the winter soldier i mean they talk about that in the first five minutes like it's you know barely mentioned in the avengers but it's there so yeah and who builds the new helicarriers that can kill everyone in a minute it's tony stark mm-hmm. well so he's yeah they he doesn't know that's what he's building but he he, he has inputs for the helicarriers but he doesn't know that the helicarriers are going to do that right he asked what phase two is no oh they said the helicarrier is phase two um i don't Thing. I think it's just the weapons because he invents the repulsors to replace the spinning. Yeah, blades. yes, that's 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 right. But he, I don't think he really knows that. that like he just knows that there. He, he knows there is a phase two because he brings it up. He says, "What is phase two? And then you have they have this huge argument about. It, and then you like like Nick Fury, who says, "I didn't really put a lot of stock in that. I believe in you guys." Which again goes back to the idea of like, think of what you guys think of what this could be. Think of what the identity of this thing could be. Like, what are who are you? Which is again one of the huge themes of all. Um, you all like want to do good things, 
that's great. So what does it what does it actually look like? That's what these films are 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 all about. So, well, let's wrap it up here. Uh, let's. So th- this is uh, part four of this podcast where we're going to kind of talk about how does this fit into the broad themes and the overall like broad like narrative leading up to Infinity War, released on April twenty seventh. Uh, let's just kind of go through like really quick, just some of the, I just have two like major plot points. I think are really important to come out of uh, these four, these four films. One is the Tesseract, obviously that is the space stone that goes on the gauntlet. Um, and then is it the space stone? It's not the mind. No, no Loki scepter that you don't know that that's an, you don't know what that is yet. So I, mean, oh, I would right. count that as well. That's one of the infinity stones. You just don't know it, but I think you kind of, it's obvious that the Tesseract is. You see what it can... Well, I, I, I guess let's just count both. You have the Infinity Stone, and you have... Sorry, you have the Space Stone, and you have the Mind Stone. Two of the six in, in Infinity Stones here. And the, and the Space Stone we see in the Avengers film allows you to travel anywhere you want to in space instantaneously. It creates a like wormhole. And with the mind stone, you can control the minds of, of you control people's minds, right? Yep. Which is what Loki does with the scepter. Mm. And it's how they make the vision. Cause it is a mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, probably one of the, one of the other really big plot points is you do have the like Avengers coming together and the establishment of what's the, um, what are the different aspects of that team? What are the different dynamics of that team? And that's definitely established here. You have the tension between Tony and Captain America. You have the friendships. It's very, very important, I think. And I and I think that idea of the warm light for all mankind here, that's what like Avengers are. And I think it's a very key point here that Tony Stark brings brings up to Loki in the um, Avengers when he kind of has that whole speech at the end there where he says because if we because if we can't protect the earth you can be damn well sure we'll avenge it and that's super important i think and it's kind of um and it really establishes i think tony as the head of the avengers kind of like he's the face of it while steve captain america is kind of the brains of it or the heart if you will yeah he's the heart and the uh, strategist but tony Tony is supposed to be the leader. Yeah. And I th- and can we just talk uh, real quick to end this? The Captain America suit in the Avengers sucks. <laughs> it sucks. No, but, oh, okay. So I want to talk about something that's, that's really key here. I don't think it does. Can I tell you why I think that's, Im- that's important? I think- uh, sure. Because one of the overall, like, one of the overall themes I think that's being established here on the road we're going here is hope against despair when agent when agent m colson brings up to steve with with everything that's happening Mm -hmm. the uh the uh things that are about to come to light people just might need a little old old um fashion it does suck but it's old and it represents hope okay aren't the stars and stripes a little old-fashioned well with all that's happened lately we could use a little old-fashioned I think what A.J. Coulson, he's not just talking about like Loki. I really think, and this might be like a retcon thing, but I'm totally okay with that. I think he's talking about 
all of the stones and like Thanos. I think they see something happening. I think you're giving it too much credit. I'm just saying the uniform looks ugly. I wish they just used the same uniform from the first movie of Captain America. The first <laughs> Captain America uniform looked badass. It looked like canvas. It was rugged. It was awesome. The next one looks weird. But it's it, it's just a bad uniform design. But the old one still has stars and stripes. But that's the point that like it's no, I don't think the costume designers set out to make an ugly, dopey-looking no, uniform. I think they did. I think it's supposed to look a little bit like that because it's supposed to look like a weird superhero outfit. Well, so did the first one in the first movie. <laughs> All right, fine. But anyways, I think it's... I think it's, I just think they did a shitty job with it. <laughs> he looks closer to when he was the actor <laughs> in the in the thing, holding yeah, up the girls dancing. Oh, which is the point. I think that's the point. No, that's not the point of the Avengers part. I think it. I think he's supposed to look like the. How about his heroic footage from World War II, where he looks like a badass? <laughs> and it, Come on, okay. man! I'm not giving this up. I am not giving <laughs> back this up. to the. We will <laughs> back to the themes: hope versus <laughs> despair, which I think kind of ties into what you were saying before this uh, battle of like, um, of like, um, of order, or like first like freedom. I think it's kind of the, the uh, same thing order coming from a despair of like look the world is bad we've got to do anything we can to like set things right and hope being like the world is a good place we can we can fix this if we just do the right things yeah and i think that's where they need a little old-fashioned because we're kind of in a time where um what's right and what's wrong isn't so clear anymore to or to some people doesn't really even exist it's a really key theme here. I don't know exactly how to put it. Some hope, hope versus despair might be might be kind of wrong, but I think, um, I think there's something to that. I I would agree. I would agree with everything. Everything's a little. I don't know if that's a an overall theme of this movie, though. Do you? Well, no. Do you think no, that's so the overall theme. This is kind of like Phase One as a whole, as it leads up to Avengers 3 Infinity War okay. like like what are the, like what are the big broad things to take away from phase 1 what are the big broad themes oh, that's gotcha. building to Infinity War well we know it's the origin story it's the identity and yeah. it's the first coming together of the team yep and the team doesn't know how to come together because they're they all have different motivations different avenues different um conceptions of what it means to be the hero Mm -hmm. and towards the end they all work together obviously um to save that one street in manhattan that took the (laughs) you know (laughs) in the end it was one street basically (laughs) (laughs) all right i'm just joking but uh yeah so you have these these uh interesting personalities who kind of come around the theme of to be a hero is to lay down your life for another and whether that's your brother in arms next to you with Black Widow saving um, Hawkeye and then them fighting, uh, you know, me and you remember, was it Beirut? Me and you remember Beirut or Budapest. We yeah. remember Budapest Beirut, differently, yeah. you know. And, yeah. And that was great. And then Captain America helping them, you know, all that stuff. The whole idea of them coming together to be the team. So this was the summer crossover issue where all the characters come together. And then the next summer, quote unquote, in comic book world is Avengers 2. And so now you have the evolution of the team. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, yeah, but I'll save that for episode two. 
Yeah, no. And I, um, I really, uh, one thing here that I think is very important is when you look back at all of these films is, um, and it's kind of weird because like there's a, there is a lot of crossover between these overall themes and the Avengers movie. That's just going to kind of happen. But again, that kind of, um, a like warm light for all, for, for all mankind line, every film, I'm pretty sure each film in phase one, this might not be true with Iron Man two. But Iron Man, Thor, Cap, uh, Captain America, and the Avengers—they all have a beam of light somewhere in that film. Thor, uh, sorry, and Iron Man—you've got it at the very end of the film, and you have that in the end of a, in the end of Captain America as well. You've got it in the beginning of the, the Thor film when he comes down to Earth. It's in all of them. And I think it's a common—that's that's like like motif of phase one is this like beam of light. And I think that's very important. <sighs> it's an album. Okay. I'm just saying. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, okay. I think this is why Thanos is actually, I think it's one of the reasons why he's coming to earth to get these things, not just to get the stones. Cause not all the stones are even on earth, but one of the reasons why he is, is and one of the reasons why all this is happening is it's the end of the Avengers. We see it. I think he's behind all of the bad stuff because he's trying yeah. to destroy that light. He know that light is it, that it is like a threat to him. Mm. Life. Yeah. Hope life. Yeah. So, um, and he's always, he's in perpetual space. You know, he, I mean, he's in outer space floating on his space chair, mm-hmm. uh, his space Barker lounger. Yeah. Symbolic of you know being shrouded in darkness, always in darkness, you know all that stuff. Well, yeah, no, and I I think a key thing to understanding him as well is he doesn't care about like he doesn't want to con- he doesn't want to conquer Earth. He doesn't care about that at all. He just wants to wipe out any of the threats that are there and just get the stone. That's all he yeah. cares about. Everything else to him is just a means to an end. What do you think of in Phase One the little uh, the 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 little messenger boy of Thanos? <laughs> you dare to question him? Um, it's fine. I don't think they really knew what they were getting. I, I I know I don't know how much this was actually planned out. You know, but I think the I think the Thanos thing. Well, no, they had to because he's a Chitari. So, um, I don't know. I don't really have any thoughts on him. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I just think he was a weird guy that they took care of in the next phase. <laughs> yeah yeah i they rather i mean because you feel like this guy is like some super powerful badass evil dude mm-hmm. and then he's just ronin makes quick work of yeah him. well I, but i think the point is also that we have such a, like if if you look like a thanos he's such a big villain that he doesn't care about the things that the majority of the other villains care about yeah i mean i think he has the same like motivations I think his motivations are on a much grander scale. Like truly, like yeah. he, you know, he wants to be an omnipotent god. Yeah, he wants galaxies. You can fight over planets. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Exactly. Okay. So. Well, that leaves us to close down this walk, this hour and a half plus long walk. Here we go through phase one. Now we got phase two. What do we got in phase two? Do you have those videos? Uh, no, I don't. I don't have the list on me right now, but I've already watched all of them. So we have Iron Man three. Thor the Dark World, which is not as bad as people say that it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and then um, 
Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. I believe that's all the Phase 2 films off the top of my head. Mm. So, and we're just sticking okay. to the films, not doing any of the, any of the TV shows. So at this, though, from Phase 2 on out, they might be brought up from time to time because Homeboy don't have time to watch all of them. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Okay, well, good deal. Cool. Well, this concludes our walk through Phase 1. As we march on the road to Infinity War. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> that sounded like Star Wars. That was the plan. Not a great plan. <laughs>